Alright, uh, welcome back, welcome back to episode 22 of Snooze and Booze. Once again, you are joined by Steve, myself, Steve, and... Nope. Yeah, and today, you know, we forgot to mention this last time, but we are drinking... I am drinking Sapporo. Sapporo is this Japanese beer that is uh, gluten-free because it's a rice beer. And Not it's too shabby. Awesome. How about yourself, Big? Uh, I'm drinking Lagunitas IPA. Mm-hmm. This is an I Indian don't know pale, if it's right? uh, Indian pale. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, we left off um, talking about the shadow people. Uh, it is a condition. I've heard it scientifically explained as like a certain thing between like your mind is not necessarily woken up slash not necessarily. It's like sleep your mind. Your wait. Your mind wakes up before your body does, or the opposite. that kind of thing. Yes, yeah, a, a sleep paralysis, and you have the fear of death, and and it feels like the devil's on top of you, that kind of thing. Well, we left off talking about that story. Well, well, the story I was going to uh, touch on is the last time I had that. And it was, like, keep in mind, this had been going on for, uh, uh, like, almost a half dozen times. Well, the last time this happened to me, uh, my little sister, Samantha, used to live with me. And uh, I'm just, that's, that's just the only prep I'm going to give you the story. So, I'm having, you know, whatever, uh, this shadowy figure appear over me or appear in my room. And, and this whole time I've been trying to, like, every time it comes, I'm trying to move and I can't move. And I'm squeezing Jackie's hand, like, trying to hard. And I'm trying to yell to her, like... Dude, it's right here, baby. You know, and all that's she told me uh, like the next morning, like all that was coming. She thought I was like sleep, drink, you know, uh, drink, talking in my sleep, and all that would come out was me being like, you know, like that. <laughs> this nonsense, non audio. You know, it, it, you can't even make out what I was saying. I was just mumbling almost, and uh, I was, you know, just like uh, I thought I was squeezing for life her hand, and she oh, was right, just right. like, yeah, you're like tapping me, like oh my god, <laughs> you know, but like obviously I couldn't move. And, and to me, like, it's I'm clear as day visible. Not even no drowsiness, no nothing. To me, it's just like I, uh, my eyes are wide open. I just cannot move my body or my mouth or anything. And it just bugs the shit out of me. It's just, and you're at the same time, you're just overwhelmed with this the fear, you know. And, and, you know, aside from the fear that these whatever people, shadow things, are standing over you or entering your room, you're trying to, uh, it's a fear of the, like, the paralysis. You can't, like, what the fuck? Why can't I move? You know, that's kind of, that kind of thing. Hmm. Well, the last time this happened to me, I was, uh, I, you know, I felt it, you know, and I kind of, I'm waking up, and or my eyes are kind of open, and I'm looking in the corner of my eye, and the door creeps open in my room, and there's this shadowy figure, it's complete darkness, but it's this shadowy figure, I can see it, and, and, I, and I, first I move my arms, and I'm like, oh shit, I can move. And as soon as I realize I can move, I jump out of bed. Keep in mind, I'm like almost naked. I'm in my underwear. So <laughs> I look like Homer in that one episode where he oh, chases nice. Bart after the Temple of Doom. <laughs> and he's like, boo, boo, Penny jar? Yeah, so I look like that, right? <laughs> so I get up out of my bed and I straight up do this stupid fucking karate MMA pose. And then like, I, do, I do this wide stance. I look like fucking retarded. I'm sure I look <laughs> retarded, but... Uh, but I, I do this thing and I'm like uh, my 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 right hand is is like cocked back ready to fucking clenched, yeah right it's clenched it's it's knocked back ready to fucking rock. and my left hand is out there like almost wearing the eye gauge sound eye gauge sound <laughs> like yeah right here and I'm shaking uh, and then and I'm like like um what I I scream you just get the fuck out of here I'm gonna fucking kill you like I scream like that kind of shit uh-huh. and then uh, uh, Lord behold it's Samantha I'm not dreaming. <laughs> I'm actually awake. And it's my little sister, Samantha, coming because my alarm was going off and I didn't hear it. <laughs> she's coming to either turn it off or wake me up. And she, she just has this, like, 
she's shivering. <laughs> yeah, she's she's shivering like, oh, I I, I, I just your arm was going off. Like, it's, it just don't hurt, you know. <laughs> she told me the next day, like she thought that I thought it was like a burglar or whatever. But it, the, the whole thing is just hilarious. To me, oh. I just like, right, dude, I straight up, I just got I jumped out of bed, literally like, ah, get the fuck out, I'm gonna fucking kill you. <laughs> and like, she has no idea that I've been having these like dreams lately. Oh right, right, right. She says, you know, she whatever. She's probably half asleep. Yeah, she's half asleep as well. She's like, the asshole won't turn off his little alarm. Right, right. Kind of thing. She's still, she's like, Ugh. it open creeps open my door and then <laughs> out of nowhere, <laughs> like some half naked dude is about to fucking punch her lights out. Uh, but you know, dude, we'll have her on and I'll, I'll find out if she remembers that story or whatever. Bring it up for you. Yeah, That'd be a good one, man. <laughs> Uh, but speaking man. of that, uh, River Phoenix. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, apparently he haunts uh, what the Viper Room was it? Really? Is that true? Uh, no, no, I don't know if he haunts it. But. No. Well, during the break, we were talking about. Um, um, you had mentioned something that I thought was pretty cool. Uh, you said that you know. Oh, because we were talking about the Believer. We went back into the Believer, yeah. just like touching up. Uh, Ryan Gosling and all that. But you mentioned that you thought uh, Joaquin Phoenix's brother, River Phoenix, that if he hadn't had uh, died, that he oh, would right. be, he would be what Leonardo DiCaprio is now. Definitely. Yeah. Um, Elaborate on that, please. Uh, let's see. Uh, I agree with you completely, and I did. I really like you know. Oh, Superman. absolutely, Stand by man. Me, you know, uh, last one. You know, yeah, he was cool. Fucking he was a cool um, kid. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. River Phoenix, man. It was a young, young indie. Yeah, yeah um, imagine that, right? He would be the. He, I'm he telling could probably, you, man. Right now, he could probably play. You know, because they're rebooting the thing. He could. He would have been playing the new indie, probably. Can you imagine? Yeah, you're like, right. That would be fucking awesome. Yeah, you're right. I, I can see that guy. Like, that would be really cool. What a loss, but um. Oh shit! What's up, Betty? Oh, <laughs> that is. What's up? Oh, um, that's right. Uh, if uh, River Phoenix hadn't killed himself, yeah, yeah, because uh, like, well, um, he was actually cast to play uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's role in Basketball Diaries. I didn't know that, and that yeah. role really changed him as a serious Absolutely. actor. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's what got him Gilbert Grapes. And, and from from there, like his career just yeah, went up. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, but I think shit. it was actually a couple of roles. I can't remember the other ones, but I remember that one specifically. That was like a very pivotal role. Hmm. Like had he, like I just you know, there's no telling like what could have happened, you know. Yeah. But just like you know, just thinking you know where Leonardo DiCaprio's like career took off, you know, yeah. from. Not even, I'm not talking about like Critters Three or anything. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. I but I love hearing like I love. Uh, I forgot what there's a specific website that does that, but I'm sure you could Google it. But like roles that originally went to other people and oh, they just turned it down. I love like shit. random like top ten, you know, like uh-huh. uh huh. I think like, like Will, Will Smith famously turned down the Matrix, Matrix. to do Wild Wild West. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about a fucking moron. I'm sorry, but I, you know, you know, uh, obviously, then he eventually went to Keanu Reeves, but <laughs> it was one of those things like, what? How do you turn down the Matrix? Did you maybe he just didn't understand it, whatever? No, but because like Wild we're West, like. At a higher point in the building, we have a higher, like... You, you just know, can't see... Back, yeah. you know, he he yeah. didn't know, you know? Yeah. You know, I guess it was just, like, a filming conflict, apparently, you know? He was doing Wild Wild West. But, um... No, I heard he turned you down for Wild Wild West. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm sold on that. Pretty <laughs> sure it wasn't Kevin Smith, because according to Kevin Smith's, you know... Yeah. Testimony, he, it was... Oh, he man. hated um, that producer that did Wild Wild Yeah. Wasn't it Tim Burton? Mm-mm. Neither did Wild Wild. It was a different producer. Well, uh, Tim Burton was a director. Yeah. Like, the, it was, you're uh, talking about the, the Superman movie. That's how they were working on it. 
okay. That's what the producer. It was that rift. The producer for that, a Legend Superman movie with Tim Burton, eventually. Um, he he was he was the same producer for Wild West, and he was one of those guys that was a hairdresser for Barbara Streisand, and then he worked his way up. Oh wow, <laughs> like a, that guy! Oh, thing. how romantic is that? I guess. But he was obsessed with spiders <laughs> for some reason, and then like he wanted like some kind of giant spider to fight Superman. And Kevin Smith's like, in his head, he's thinking, are you retarded? <laughs> like, this is, you're, you're, you even, have you ever read a comic? He's thinking like that. But for whatever reason, he always brought up, like, spiders, like, being the most dangerous insect, or, uh, rac- you know, uh, in the animal, in the insect kingdom, in the right. smash bug kingdom. And uh, he's like, okay, this guy way, has way too much access to the Discovery Channel. And then he's watching, uh, eventually he's watching the Wild Wild West, and, and he's, he knows it's produced by this guy. And during the last act, out of nowhere, a giant robot spider <laughs> comes out. <laughs> and he's like, and he just looked at his wife and was like, oh my god. Like, this fool, this fool did it. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, that was, yeah, that, that was a pretty good story. Right the way he tells it, too. Yeah, he's the Cause, best. Um, he's like, the best. Um, I'm obsessed with Kevin. Yeah, he's the best. <laughs> I don't know, just like his mannerisms. Like, just like, you know, watching him when he's telling the story. Yeah. Which I thought was, like, one of, like, the highlights of it. Absolutely, yeah. You know, obviously he's clowning on the guy, but he's doing it in a way where he's not just, like, talking shit. No, but, because he's not saying anything that's a lie. Right. You know? yeah. It's just, like, still enjoyable. Like, even though I wasn't there, I don't know the guy. Right, fuck right. this fool, you know Right, I mean? right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just, like, it was, like, a very entertaining element to me, you know? It's a, it's a very humorous observation. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I feel very oh, comfortable. That was a good one. Yeah, uh, whatchamacallit. Um, yeah. But going back to what you were saying about the... Uh, oh, they're not the Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, like, you know, just thinking about, like, all these, you know, roles that he could have had. And I'm, like, like I kind of compare them, you know, like, almost the same because they kind of look alike in a way, you Yeah, know? yeah. Like, I think, like, damn, what if that was him and Romeo and Juliet? Man, I love that movie, too, dude. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Like, I'm not, I have nothing against Leonardo DiCaprio. You know you know what I'm saying? I'm just yeah. saying, like, what if that was him? Just, like, what ifs. That's mm-hmm. all it is, what ifs. You yeah. Know? There's absolutely. no way to prove it or disprove it, because it couldn't happen. But that definitely would have, um, shit, man. I think that's what got him Titanic and biggest movie of all time. Absolutely. Basically launched his career. You know, um... Uh, yeah, it just, um, you know, going back, uh, let, uh that's fine. Going back to, uh, Romeo and Juliet, like, that was my first exposure to, uh, uh, was it Lars Berman? Uh, Boz Lerman. Boz Lerman. Damn, straight up just no, switched. I got you. Right <laughs> Thank you. Boz Lerman. Um, it, eventually, obviously, during, uh, in college, you know, taking a film class, I saw Strictly Ballroom, his first Strictly movie. Strictly Ballroom. But I remember thinking that this was the coolest fucking movie I've ever seen. At this time, keep in mind, I'm really getting into Shakespeare uh, because of Gargoyles, the cartoon Gargoyles, you know, with the uh, Disney. You know, oh, Lexington. Yeah, and, and uh, Gar- Goliath and, Goliath. Uh, uh, and um, Manhattan. Yeah, Lexington. I'm really getting into uh, Gargoyles, and um, there's a character, Macbeth, in Gargoyles, and it made me... Like, everything I know about cool, like, old-school culture is just because of comics or cartoons. Dude, a reference made by a comic or a cartoon, and it makes me want to learn. Like, I only know about, um, like, Paradise Lost by John Milton. I only know that book because it was it was an episode uh, based around Wonder Woman, and, she, and they're talking about Paradise Lost. It has nothing to do with that. Right, 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 right. But it's a reference. I only know about Oscar Wilde and Dorian Gray, which ended up having to be my... Ups, uh, my favorite book of all time because it was he was a character in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen oh, by definitely, Alan Moore definitely. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying like everything that's 
that's you know like cool, not cool, but like um, you know intellectual or educational from the 18th century or whatever. I don't even know about it because of comics or cartoons, and that's what happened with. Uh, excuse me, that's what happened with uh, uh, Macbeth. Was a character mentioned in Gargoyles? Oh right, right. And right, it right. made me want to eat the play. I mean, eat the play. Uh, read the play. And and it and it was like oh okay so I you know I, I you know go to the library buy the book and oh he's a cool character would do so I was and I'm in this whole Shakespeare play uh, Shakespeare phase right and then fuck his modern day version of Roman Juliet came out and I was blown the fuck away I had never seen anything remotely close to a modernization of something from a classic tale still speaking that same kind of language you know what I mean but just the way he did it like there yeah you know there's no it was original uh, backdrop. It was, there's no comparison to it it was original it was clever I've never seen anything to this day from that ver- something same. like that absolutely you know and, and and that was one of those movies that um, I would watch over and over again like at least once a week I would watch it man definitely man, that's a cool, yeah. and it's just a cool movie man I mean back then it was like all VHS like like mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure, like the tape that I used to watch, I don't yeah. like black and white by now, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, uh, what is it that you just mentioned? Um, uh, Oscar Wilde and um, uh, Picture of Dorian Gray. Picture, Picture of Dorian Gray. Or the League of Extraordinary Which one? Um, no, uh, specifically Gray, yeah. uh, Oscar Wilde. Mm-hmm. Like I uh, knew about him from uh, reading up on absinthe. Oh yeah, he was a, a very avid yeah. absinthe mm-hmm. drinker. You know, like there was just you know that whole era. In the Victorian, the Victorian era, yeah, where there was just like you know, like all the artists and the writers that was like you know their uh, well, that era was definitely uh, one of those uh, not on the noses. That whole era was about things you do behind closed doors, being like a, a not a tip of the hat. You know what I mean? Like if you knew what's up, you knew what's up because there was a lot of shit going on. There were a lot of in quotation marks sins going on, but behind closed doors, and there was a discreetness to it. You know what I mean? That whole era, Victorian era was about gentlemen and ladies being a certain way in public, but a whole different world was going on behind closed doors. Almost like the Scarlet Letter. Scarlet no, Letter. Not, 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 is that I what I'm thinking of? I don't know. Why am I thinking about that? I'm not sure, but it, it, I'm it, thinking it's like a flaw, like trying to you know delve into like you know the whole meaning behind the book. Oh, okay. Oh, oh the Nathaniel Hawthorne thing between like. Um, everybody else has sticks and um, throw the first stone if without saying that kind of ideal. And you know, just like Salton's in the closet, but yeah, well, that's doesn't what, know about it. But. That's what that whole era was, Victorian era. And, okay, yeah. And Oscar Wilde specifically, he wrote about stuff that people were like, "You shouldn't be writing about that, dude. That's really what's going on. Like, why are you writing about these secret clubs or these opium dens? Why, dude? That's you're putting our shit on blast. You know, he was right, he, right, right. And he was that kind of guy. And, and, you know, he was and, a journalist almost of his age you know yeah you could say that yeah or maybe yeah. a tmz version or something uh, like that <laughs> uh, hopefully not tmz but no no but uh he's definitely someone that he wrote about these things and he gave it to the pop culture mass media and these were things that were really going on at the time he was just right. put, fictionalizing it in quotation marks but yeah and, and and this was going on like oh you would have this is why um alan moore's fucking uh, from hell was made you know because like oh behind closed door the queen is, you know, um, empl- in the employment of a doctor who's really, king. you know, things like that. Like mm-hmm. kind of thing. like mm-hmm. the shit that would, there's a front that's going on and no one's acknowledging what's going on behind closed doors, you know, and there's orgies, there's fucking drug, ad- drug addicts. There's all this kind of bullshit going on. Behind, right. uh, there's, you know, homosexuality, which is a huge thing back then going on. Uh, but nobody acknowledges it at the dinner table. You right, know what right, I mean? Right. Everybody play and everybody at the table saying knows what's up, but no one's saying it out loud, you know? 
It's an elephant in the room of society. There you go. Dude, dang, damn. That's exactly how it were. The elephant in the room of society. Yeah. And that's what all of Victorian era represented. Yeah. But you're oh, saying you, shit, you, you're reading up on Ascent? Or? You know, just because it's like ever since... You know, because I remember seeing it in um, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Absent. Absent. Okay. Absent. And you know, you're talking like, about the film by the f- uh, okay, right? You know, um, there was this very awesome scene, you know, where um, Monica Bellucci, uh, Gary Oldman, mm-hmm. he's uh, making one on a rider a drink, like they're having. He's yeah, I know that scene, whole yeah. thing, you know, yeah. Guillermina. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wilhelmina. Well, in the book, it's Guillermina. They changed it because Guillermo, 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 William. Guillermo, William. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, um, I, I didn't even get that till way later. So right? Because yeah. of your dad, actually. Yeah. Because Bill, like, why do they call him Bill? Is he yeah. Guillermo, you <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. And it's like, oh, William's like the uh, uh-huh. English equivalent to From Guillermo. La Familia. That's where I got that from, from the movie La oh, Familia. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> where they call him Memo. It's like, oh, because of Bill. <laughs> it's like, Memo. It's like, I just have to want him to remember stuff. Like, I remember memo, seeing but... that seeing that thing. I was like, oh, shit. Uh, and that remember me thinking of your dad. And then it made me think of Dracula. <laughs> so from La Familia, we get to Bram Stoker's Dracula. And as like, 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 well, I mean, I was like, oh, yeah. Guillermo. Uh-huh. Especially like in Spanish, you know, they exactly. have like the masculine and they have the feminine. Exactly. Yeah. You know, or I'm gonna chill. Yeah. And I only I knew a girl in high school named Guillermina. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. That's something I remember telling her like, oh, you know, it's from Bram Stoker, and she had no idea what the fuck I was talking <laughs> about. But yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, um, it, I started thinking about Joseph Josephine. Oh <laughs> yeah, shit, yeah, man. the masculine thing. Yeah. <clears throat> So but, he's making uh, a drink for her. Yeah, he's he's like preparing this drink. I just remember it looked like you know, just like the way it was directed. It was it wasn't just like that. You know, had all these like different elements to that whole scene. Yeah, but you know, he's Gary like Oldman, mixing man, his that's, yeah, the man. That opening scene in in uh, where where he finds out his girl's dead. Uh, oh, and he denounces God. Yes, and, that whole you know, man. That shit's fuck overacting. I don't go. Give me more of that. That's <laughs> it. Reminds it's not you know. It reminds me of um, what's his face uh, on Forrest Gump uh, in the middle of the storm. Uh, Gary Sinise. All oh, right. Yeah. Or you that? call that a storm? Uh, but, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and, and Gary Oldman's literally just like like blood from his mouth is foaming, and he's just like, ah, I'm gonna take life from you. That yeah, dude. That that scene is incredible. That, fucking moving. Mo- and you're fucking starting it off, and you see like Anthony Hopkins character in the background. <laughs> you kind of think like that's interesting. Okay, once again, back to that. Like, so he makes Jeremy a drink. <laughs> so, oh man, this is like we have this like so less like you won't get like so much as from this as you yeah. No, I got it. Yeah, from a good acting. But no, no like, I'm just saying, you know, like he's preparing this drink and it's it's like I don't know, like I'm a kid. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the hell alcohol is. Like, oh, that's beer. That's wine. Mm-hmm. That's a uh, bottle shit. with some other liquor, whatever. Blue, green jacket, gold jacket. Yeah, who, who gives, gives a, a shit? shit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got that for you. You know, um, but it was just like the exposure to it. I didn't think anything of it for like however long. Mm-hmm. And then um, seeing in uh, From Hell. Yeah, that's that's where I first was co- really cognizant of it. Like, oh, it's, I wonder. It's like almost ceremonial, almost. Right. The way they prepare the drink. There is a ritual. It's called the absinthe ritual. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I've touched on it at some point or other. But uh, you know, that's funny. How do you make how do you make absence synonymous with you? Because where if you talk about absence, I think about you. How, how, was it just because you're the well, only one in the group that was well, doing it, or what? Well, uh, I told you I was in New Orleans, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I was up old, there for uh, like, the old absence house. Yeah, I was up there for like three months, and when I had to go to the quarter district or uh, you know the French quarter, 
and like almost as soon as you enter, there's this place called the you know the Absent Bar or the Absent Club. Always packed, by the way, and so I never went inside. But uh, but instantly, like, oh man, I gotta come here with loaf. Like someday, like I'm thinking, super like, now, super now. Yeah, remind us later, man. <laughs> Absolutely. You know what? There is definitely like no shit. It's like uh, you cross the street and a wall smell hits you. <laughs> it's huh. really, yeah, and it's and it smells like diapers and garbage and and it just instantly hits you and you in, you get it's like Mexico when you cross the border. <laughs> kind of. Oh, gotcha. It's gotcha. kind of gotcha. like that. So within thirty seconds, you're already adapted to it and you're like, oh, okay, you're <laughs> dealing with it. But it, it does. Hit, there is like a a, a wall of uh, just hits you right away. Huh. But that's almost the first bar you see and and instantly like, oh man, I gotta come here with Lofi sometime or whatever. Well, um, the whole, uh, absent thing, it was over at, uh, a place that Jose, Jose uh, the artist. artist. Yeah. He's going to be on the podcast pretty soon. He wants to Definitely. come on, so I'm down to have him, yeah. Yeah, until then, man. Um, what was it? Uh, he used to have this place over in downtown Long Beach. Okay. And that's when I had absence for the first time. This pad that he used to have with a couple of roommates mm-hmm. of his. Um, I remember, uh, he, he pulled out this bottle. Yeah. And he was like, oh, I had this bottle of absinthe that uh, one of my friends, you know, smuggled from Amsterdam or something. Oh, nice. And I was like, absinthe? Like, yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> and like, it's all the shit that all these people And he's drinking, a legit you know? artist. He's a career artist. Oh, definitely. So, That's how he makes a living. Like, Yeah, yeah. Actually, we we, sit, we sat for him pretty pretty recently, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For murals, like uh, yeah, for murals. but that's that that's what like so. Whenever you hear something coming from someone who's like a legit artist, like is in that kind of world, like oh shit, you just take it with full for full value, or it's for exactly. face value. You're like hell yeah, whatever. He it probably came from Chinatown, you know, up the street and down. But who knows? Who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah, he, he can tell you. you know. Actually, I was talking to the, the Jackie, you know, because I happen to have lived in Japan for for oh, a right, right, right. and I was like, man, I would just buy a bunch of Japanese bullshit and just tell them, oh, I brought this over here from Japan. No. I was gonna question you because I used to live there. <laughs> like, here you go. Here's your samurai sword that I got from fucking El- from Long Beach, down. you know. <laughs> and he, they think, as, as far as they're concerned, they think I brought it over from Japan. You know? But it's not gonna be with, yeah, all, with artists, you. with your friend Jose. Yeah, absolutely. So he tells you, oh, I got this from Amsterdam. And yeah, like he says the, bottle the, of absinthe. I'm like, what? Like as yeah. soon as he said absinthe. I was like, what? Like, can I see it? You so know? you've been super aware of it already. Because you, like I said, so I'm assuming you looked it up after you've seen it in movies or whatever? Well, or? like, I can't, like, specifically say, like, who, what, when, where, why, how, whatever. Uh-huh. But I just remember when he said absent, I was like, what? I like, gotta let me it. see this. Yes. Let me yeah, see the bottle, you. you know? Yeah. And he showed it to me, and I'm just holding it there. I feel like a kid in a candy store of alcohol, you know? <laughs> right, right. I'm just like, oh, man, like. And he's like, yeah, you know, like, a friend brought it back from, you know, Amsterdam. Nobody wants to drink it. Like, like, I, I will, yeah. Serve <laughs> it up, man. My last name's Medell. Fuck yeah, I'll drink it. Yeah, you're that kind of thing. Yeah. And um, uh, what was it? Um, like he uh, like what well, we didn't do it like in the traditional sense, like the ritual sense. He, he just got like a like red cup. He just poured just like a little cheese get there, just like a teaspoon of it. Yeah. Like it didn't even cover the bottom, man. Oh, okay. I just remember so it was just like barely just like a like a taste, like a taste. Not even oh, a shot. okay. Yeah. Like I'm telling you, it was just like kinda like a and that's it. But was there like a uh, like a myth, you know, like a myth around it? Where oh, like, absolutely, because so, that's all I know. Like, no, but any, so you're like, oh, that's enough. Or, so you didn't even question, like, no, no, uh, he, pour me more. Like it was just like, oh, like, oh, I'll, like, can I try it? You know? Oh, okay, okay. Like yeah. at first, you know, it was just like, oh, like yeah, but so, like, so I don't you weren't be thinking greedy. that's more than enough for to get me fucked up because you're, I didn't know anything right, right. like so about it after that. like drinking. Like, you know, I didn't have like any sense of like. Oh shit! You know I'm about to focus on crazy stuff. Right. Even right. though like it did have that element in the sense that 
I've never drank it before, uh-huh. so I don't know what to expect. It was just like, oh man, like oh here we go, like oh I just want to try it, you know, like just, yeah, like right, oh thanks man, that's good enough. I remember I just like you no, know, just like a little, I just gulped it down. It was like really nothing left. It's almost like you know like the melted ice at the bottom of a soft drink, you know? Yeah, yeah. You're just trying to get like a couple of drops and that's it. Water down, yeah. I just remember after that shit hit my throat. It just felt like it sucked the oxygen out of my lungs. Is that right? <coughs> I was just coughing. Oh, fuck. I felt like, you know, it was like a black hole, you know, because it was like pulling all the air out that I wanted to get in. Because I, I, I never experienced anything like that, you know, before that. So you know? this was completely different from any other alcohol oh, you ever had? Oh, definitely, you know, definitely. Now, as far as taste, yes. But how about, like, uh, effect on your, on, your, on your mind or anything like that? Well... First, it wasn't even really a taste just because it burnt so much, and I was just like, you know, a super greenhorn. Like, I didn't know what to yeah, expect, you know? I gotcha. Like, it just hit me, and it was just like fire in my moonshine style. You right? know? Yeah. It was just fire. And, um, <clears throat> and I was like that for, you know, like a bit, at least like maybe 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, I would say, like, yeah, a few minutes. What yeah. the fuck did I just take? <clears throat> but then, just from those like little droplets, you know. It just kind of like hit me. It was just like, oh, whoa, like, dude, <laughs> wow, like, did I just get possessed by whatever the hell was in that drink? Like, right, what is right. Going on right Green now? fairy inside of me, or something. You know, yeah, and yeah. I was just like, man, <clears throat> uh, can, can I get a little bit more? You know, and then from there it was just like, wow, this is different. Like, I've been drunk off beer, I've been drunk off wine, I've been drunk off liquor, but this is something completely different. I wasn't hallucinating, I wasn't seeing, you know, green fairies all over the place, Mm -hmm. but let me tell you, it is different. Supposedly, it's, uh, like, keep on, I've had absinthe from whatever, you know, I have from you or whatever we Mm -hmm. go, it's not the same as what we have, like, let's say Roxanne's. Roxanne's in Long Beach is the only bar around here that I know serves that. Uh, It's different from that, from what you had from Amsterdam. Uh Uh-huh. Is it? No, I'm asking. Oh. Is is the absinthe from Roxanne's different from what you had that was straight from Amsterdam? Uh, it was a different bottle, definitely. The one that but I, I was had... the effects. The effects are different? You definitely... Was it noticeable? It's almost like... A different... Because you said... You mentioned your... Maybe because it was your first time... Or like I said, probably because it was a bottle from Amsterdam, but it was it was a different kind of buzz. That's what you had meant. Was was that's what I'm saying? Oh okay. Well, uh, keeping in mind, like ever since then, you know, like that's the only one I know. The one it, from it, it you sparked, know. you know, something. You know, yeah. Like whatever we can get domestically, like uh, going to Austin. Yeah. They have the Absinthe Bar in Austin. Yep, they do. Yeah. And anything that I tried here, like mind you, okay, like the many over there, I had maybe at least like 15 different kinds of Absinthe. Oh wow. And. Um, I went there twice, and, uh, like, I ignored all the ones that I had tried before, like, to that point, and I, like, in those two trips, I was able to try every single one of them. That's pretty awesome. And, man, like, it, it's something else, you know, just... Uh, so, how does how do those compare to, like, what what we have close to us here in uh, Roxanne's or whatever? You know what? Like, anything you can get domestically, it's, like, pretty much something that I've already had. Because so, I didn't, I didn't get anything different. This is what I'm saying. I didn't have a different kind of buzz. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? It was just like, oh, it was like, like were you mixing or were you just drinking? No, all no, no I like drank from your cup, and it was just a strong kind of shot to me. I mean, besides like, like were you just like specifically? No, no, no. no. Obviously, I'm drinking something else. I'm, I didn't order absinthe myself. I'm, I'm only oh, yeah, what yeah, you yeah. let me have and oh, whatever okay. I'm drinking. You know that kind of thing. Like I think uh, just if try I only just have it by itself, drink absinthe by itself. Like don't mix it up. You know, because we're gonna finish up and we're gonna go. No, okay, yeah. Uh, finish that, finish, you know. Finish. No, I got you. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, just because, you know, there are, like, you know, absinthe cocktails. Yeah. Where it's, like, it has absinthe in it. No, but I want to take But it, it doesn't, you know, yeah. I don't think, personally, because I've tried them before. Yeah. And it's, like, they're okay. I can taste how it has absinthe in it. Yes. But it does not have that same effect. You know, from what I've read, they say it's a cognitive type of buzz. Yeah. Which means, is that, that's, that's that true from your experiences, where it's not a, it's not a blurry kind of buzz, where you get from most liquors, where it kind of numbs you to anything, if anything, it enhances your cognition. Absolutely. Brain. That's oh, why, okay, you know, you have all your artists and writers from the Victorian era, where that it became that a thing. Sense. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, the very interesting thing about absinthe is, you know, I mean, it dates back to, like, fucking ancient Greece. They found, yeah. like, you know, pots. Yeah. With, you know, like, where they used to, like, you know, brew their own absinthe. Yeah. For whatever, you know, reason that they did, I never looked that far into it yeah but as far as we know it in uh, western society uh-huh. it's uh it took place in the 1800s yeah, where European french soldiers shit, yep, french, yeah. you know were like they would it was like some almost like a magic potion mm-hmm. it was like something that they would take you know whenever they would go to you battle. know battle or whatever mm-hmm. that they would use to treat you know uh unsanitary water that makes sense you know so yeah. they would, you know mix it all together to make sure it's sanitized for them to drink yeah but like you know okay after the service was over after the war was over you know, they would, you know, go back home, whatever. and But by then, they had developed a taste for it. So they would, you know, request this, you know, whenever they would go out drinking. Yeah. And somehow it caught the eye of the uh, aristocracy. They were like, oh, wow, you know, like, w- like what's this all about? You yeah. Know? So it became, like, a very elite drink. Yeah. You know, where it was just, you know, synonymous with, you know, the, wall- the wealthy, wealthy people, yeah. you know. And it, from there, you know, it, had, like, grew this uh, whole... you know yeah yeah, really you know and that's you know you know artists and you know writers you know like kind of like came onto it because those were the celebrities of their time yeah absolutely you know got that Uh exposure I love fucking I mean you know what I'm talking about gonna say Midnight in Paris oh same man oh you kidding I love that fucking movie man top five films of all time definitely easy easy yeah absolutely easily and um you know from there you know like that's you know where it got brought over you know just Mm -hmm. from you know whatever their purpose was in the war and you know, like you know, it became the the la vie bohème, you know. Yeah, absolutely. The, yeah, you know, I think I have to do a night where I only do absence, so I have nothing else to influence her. And I would like to do that, and I'd like to try that just for the experience of uh, definitely, different kind man. Of especially for like myself, who I consider myself a functioning alcoholic. You know, I'm like you, you see, need man, because not that I haven't tried absence, I have, but I need it where it's only the only drink I definitely. Do and I want to see. You know, we should do a podcast on actually. Where let's see where we do a podcast, or you know, because this is snooze and booze. We're always drinking. Well, let's see how it affects our. Maybe we could do whatever. Dude, I'm telling you, I, I, I told you about that. Like, we should do one where it's just all we drink is absent. That that's good. I'm gonna yeah. go, well, like, I'll buy a bottle. Yeah, well, like, we'll some we'll decent shit. We'll figure it out. Yeah, but that that would be really good. And maybe we could get through a third episode where it's still cognizant. I'm not slurring the shit out of my words. I <laughs> mean, you still get drunk, like yeah. even after a point, because uh, I know like one of the things is um, mm-hmm. uh, I forgot what you call it. Where you're just kind of like, you tend to just kind of like, um, you zone out, like well, in a sense. Yeah, I know what you mean, and I think it's awesome that we'd be recording it. Just for, even if we don't post it for experimental purposes, like, oh, let's see what we were talking about for how long the pauses are while we're recording. That kind of thing. Right, right, yeah, right, right. For experimental purposes. Uh, the closest thing I've had to that uh, is, uh, are you familiar with Habusaki? Habusaki, is that the one with the rattlesnake in it? Yes, it is. Habu oh, means, man. Habu means snake. Uh, how do you see the pictures of it? Or no? Oh, no, no, okay, no. It's, like a, it's like a moonshine jar. It's like a jar. Saki, which is uh, you know, Japanese. Jar? Yeah, uh, Saki, which is Japanese, but it's a clear jar. 
and they have the snake at the bottom of it, and, it, and they and they make it the the mouth wide open. So and it's a dead snake at the bottom of it, and it's um and it's funny because. You go to the bars, and the only people, they say that the only people that order it are tourists, because <laughs> they don't oh, even really, they don't even really drink it, or whatever. And uh, when I was in Japan, I ordered it three different times, and each time it was the worst hangovers I've ever had. <laughs> God damn! And because they say the venom uh, paralyzes your liver, so you can drink more, and you don't really feel it. And uh, they're probably right because I did drink the most. I mean, from what I remember, they I drank the most out of those, but they serve it to you almost. Like kind of like absinthe, like um, there's a ritual to it. It's a fair ceremony, mm-hmm. you know. And it'll, like I remember the first time, it was to, it was for my birthday, and keep I've been maybe three weeks into in Japan. You know, my birthday was already there, and we go out, you know. And um, there's two chick bartenders, and we ask for it. And first they tell us like, uh, "Are you sure?" <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, we're sure. I want to try it. Like, you know, that's that's our thing." And um, and they're like, uh, okay, okay. So they bring out the jar, and it's in this special place, whatever. And, you know, like, oh, okay. So it's obviously not many people ask for it. And they bring it out, and they set it, and then there's like a, oh, thank you. And there's, you know, they have this, uh, what does it look like? Um, you know those fucking, like, fruit punches, like, serving cup thingies? Uh, it's, it's, like it's, a ladle? Yeah, like kind a ladle. of. Kind yeah. of. So they have it like that, and they'll put it in the middle, and then they'll serve whoever. And it was me and like two other buddies, and then they'll get, they'll put the shots, and then they'll 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 you know they'll dip it, and then they'll serve it. And then we were telling them like, oh, you know, you guys too, like let's get shots. And they're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> they're like they didn't want any part of it. <laughs> kind of shit. They're like, oh, okay, okay, no problem. And then they serve us our drinks, and we take it, and it's like, for the, it tastes like a, a moonshine version of sake. That's what it tasted like me because we had oh. sake before. But this is like a moonshine version of it. And then they tell us, like, oh, it's the venom. It's the venom um, that tastes a little different. And we're like, okay. And I look up upon it, you know, later the next day after I wake up with a horrible hangover. And I guess the venom paralyzes your liver, so you're allowed, you're, you trick yourself into drinking more. Mm. And that's kind of what it is. And I'm like, oh, shit. But it's cool. I have pictures of the, of the snake. Not bad. I have um, a few pictures I'll show it to you later. Uh, and and it creeps you the fuck out at first because... They literally like, t- they're like as they're they put they dip it into the thing. They're like hitting the head. I'm like, I don't want to <laughs> stop touching it. You're you're turning me off to it. It looks weird. It's creepy, but it's awesome, dude. It, at the same time, it's, that's oh, the man, that's the closest I had to like a cool like mythical. You know, I don't know, like just you know, there's a sense behind it right, type right, of liquor. Right, right. You know, habusaki. But it you got if you go there, you got that's the way I thought about it. like, dude, how many fucking times? I'm never. I mean, you know, if I ever get rich, maybe I'll go back there ever, but right. you're once-in-a-lifetime type of shit. You gotta oh. try it. You know, you're in Japan, try some fucking habosaki. You can tell your kids about this, you know, that kind of thing. Not too shabby. Yeah, but it, it was pretty cool. It was, it was pretty ritual. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, the closest that's I think. pretty awesome, but. man. Mm-hmm. Habosaki. Good times. Asking the habosaki. I don't know. What, do you think any... I, I, maybe it's... To maybe, like, to me, like I said, it's it's really, really cool, like, the way Asking said. But do you think the French is probably no big deal? To the Japanese, is probably no big deal. Like, the, you know, they don't do it, because, like, as they said, on tourism. Right. It's kind of like our version of, like, the Mexicans with tequila dr- eating the worm. You know what I mean? Okay, I guess I could see that. It's a big deal to other people, but to us, it's like, oh, whatever. No one really does it. Some The people that do it, it's not even, you don't even taste it or feel it. Right. Because I, I remember, I remember no shit, like, uh, I think it was your dad and my dad, they had bought one with a worm in it. Uh-huh. And they were, like, daring each other to do it. And I don't know, <laughs> I don't I don't know if it was your dad or my dad, but somebody did it. Somebody it, did it. It was probably, like, my Theo, my Theo Melio or some shit, you know, uh, <laughs> RIP, but it was probably him or whatever. Right. 
But uh, but it was one of those things, and I, that's probably how it is to like the rest of the culture. Everybody has their niche of something where it's a big deal to everybody else, except that. Yeah, because uh, it's like okay, like what I you grew up with. Really, yeah, you know, uh-huh. like, you're used to it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, um, I was gonna say that I I came across this other thing called like the absinthe huff ritual. Huff. Hmm. Huff. Tell me. Okay, like I saw the guy do it, where you know, you know, he has his glass, he pours the absinthe in. Lights it on fire, the sugar cube, that whole thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then what he does, he does this thing where he he covers his uh, hand over the top of the glass. Mind you, like absent glasses, like the one that he was using was very thin. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like a think of like a champagne glass actually. Okay. So he covers the top. Yeah. While it's still lit, and uh, just because of the Oxygen I don't know just the uh, yeah. air pressure or whatever, it kind of like. Uh, pretty much like creates a vacuum mm-hmm. where he was actually like able to like lift the glass right, you know right. it was like you know stuck to his hand anyway after you know the fume is extinguished obviously because you can't have fire yeah, without oxygen, oxygen yeah. you know what he does like he uh, with his hand covered over the, like the glass he gets that like uh, he makes like almost like a cup between like his thumb and his index finger yeah he puts his mouth into it huffs the fumes hmm Takes a shot and exhales, really? and that's uh some something else. It's even a step up from the regular. Whatever. I mean, I guess so. I don't know, just because just like huffing, you know, like whizzy or whatever, like you know, doing killing brain cells it's and just getting like drunk. flaming Mo's version of it. Seriously, you <laughs> yeah. know, just yeah. like because I guess you know, killing brain cells obviously feels good. You yeah, know? That, the, the whole tradition of uh, drinking. Yeah, yeah, the whole tradition of drinking just fascinates the shit out of me, you know? Oh, man, you know, like, since the dawn of time, like, people have been, like, making their own alcohol since... Every, every, every history book has a version of that. Every religious book has a version, you know, like, that kind of thing, water and a wine. Um, Even, like, dude, I remember reading through, uh, it's either the Book of Solomon or the Book of Psalms. One of those two, I'm pretty sure it's Solomon, uh, because he was the, uh, the dude that's known for his wisdom. Uh, in the Old Testament, and he's talking about like, <laughs> I think there's literally a verse. I'm I, I'm almost positive. Um, you know, I'll, I'll double check, but there's, uh, if you're homeless, go. It's okay to have a get yourself a drink of uh, alcohol or something like that. It says something like that, <laughs> and uh, and it just made me think of like, uh, damn, like everybody has this one. This every every culture, every society has their thing. You know, there for the Vikings, there was mead. For uh, you know, honeymead or whatever. For uh, throughout, you know, uh, the Aztecs had their their cactus. You know, everybody had their their awaba. Everybody had their version of alcohol, and it's uh, Benjamin Franklin said it best. Um, I think famous quote says like, uh, "It's either wine or beer," but I think it's beer. beer. He said, "Yeah, beer, right? Yeah." He's just like, uh, "Beer is proof that God's God loves us and wants us to be happy." <laughs> you know, it's one of those yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. And it's really just uh, more more so than just uh, you know your quick buzz or your quick uh, you know uh, euphoric thing for whatever. It, alcohol in, enables you to bring your walls down. It, it brings you to it, be, it makes you become more social. If you're if you're introverse, it be, makes you an extroverse. You know, and what I mean by that, like if you're if you're closed off, if you're if you're someone who doesn't you know uh, you know speak well around other people or <clears throat> just wants to do your own thing. It all of a sense, it makes you a, a, a people person. It, it, it allows you to have these conversations where um, things that would never come up organically in if you were sober 
all of a sudden they um, you're 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 going down the rabbit hole with conversations, and much like this whole podcast is based on, you know. <coughs> I, I think really uh, alcohol and marijuana are those two things where you're able to functionally have a conversation or a discussion or just whatever you do in life, just be able to do it uh, cognizantly where it brings out the best in you. Or it's, for some people, the worst in them, you know, depending on if they can't handle enough or whatever that limit is for them. But for the most part, like I said, you know, like it, if you're able to, uh, you know, you, you, smoke a, you smoke a little joint, it'll, bring, it'll you know, bring out that conversation list in you, even if right. you're a quiet person. You, you take a couple shots, have a few beers, it'll bring out that version of you that makes you open to other people. You know, it, it, it's, it, like Reginald Franklin said, it, you know, it's proof that the, the God or the universe Moses. wants us to be happy and loves us. You know, like, it's going to bring people together for more, more, more so than not. Like, it reminds me of uh, Jim Carrey's The Mask. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, the part the of the dark, saying, like, yeah, I know it makes your, like, innermost desires come to life. Yeah, I could see that. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, and that's what it always reminded me of. Um, fuck, uh, we're talking about absinthe. Like, I don't know. It's like one of those things where like you have to try it, mm-hmm. and then like hopefully if you do it right and just don't just like I mean because uh, like it's not one of those things that I per, for, personally for me like you can't mix. I know I can't mix it just okay. because I know like the way it is. You know, say like you know like a beer. You'd have beer, then another beer, then another beer. Like, say, like, you were to, like, put it on a scale, you know? Mm-hmm. And say you were have, like, a beer and a shot, then a One beer. bourbon, one beer. Uh, like, no, it could George Jorgen's song. <laughs> <laughs> one bourbon, one shot, one beer. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. Um, but, um, like, you kind of, like, know your limits with that. Mm-hmm. But say, you know, like, you know, you have, like, your beer level, your wine level, your liquor level. And then to me, it's just like your absence level. level is a whole other level. You know, there. so like, say, you know, I was like, you know, at one bar, you know, had a shot, drank a beer, had another shot, drank another beer, another beer. And then I were to go like another bar and just have like absence, like the way that it accumulates almost yeah. exponential, you know, there's like definitely, a drunk level. I don't well, know there's definitely a point of diminishing return. You know what I'm saying? There's the definitely a point of diminishing return mm-hmm. where, like, you get to a certain level where it's no longer a benefit. It becomes, like, a, you know, a negative effect. Um, where it bring for a certain amount, alcohol will bring out the best in you, you know, up for a few hours. And then to that point, that point of diminishing return, like, you already reached the top of where the best person you're going to be, be whether you're funny, whether you're, you're, you're uh, extrovert, where you're, you know, you're more outgoing, you're more outspoken. It goes down to like now you're too much. You're too much. You're too outspoken. You're now you're just blunt. Now you're just rude. Now you're just an asshole or a bitch. Whether boy or girl, and then like that's the point of dimension return. You know what I'm saying? Like, right, right, right. There's right. definitely like uh, should have topped off and then rode that level out calmly. You know. But it's not saying that from like a safe point because at the moment mm-hmm. you don't know any better. And you just don't care. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, I see it as you know it's like a, it's an art, man. You got to learn how to man. learn your limits. You know. You got to learn exactly. Your limits, you know? Like, I just picture it out of, like, a scene in Twister where there's, like, a fucking tornado, like, all around you. You're just yeah. trying to grab onto, like, the basement door and just trying to get yourself in. Because that's all it is. You know, the more you drink, you know... And that comes with experience, you know, I think. Absolutely. You know, yeah. like, you If I know, like, shit, man, if I'm keeping track in my inner head, like, all day, I know. If I have more than a dozen or a 12-pack... I already know I start becoming more asshole than funny. Or I start becoming more, you know, than... than 
I start becoming the guy people want to stay away from than people want to be around if I have more than, you know, 10 or 12, whatever. So I, I got to ride that line, you know, where it becomes like, oh, shit, hmm. man. How, and you got to really, you know, obviously when you're drinking, you don't know the difference. Like, you got to really ride, oh, shit, I'm at eight beers already? Okay, let me ride these last ones out. Or let me have a water in between so I can stretch it out. Right. And then I can still keep that level of, like, oh, okay, you know, you know the, the, you know, the guy where you're not being a douchebag. As opposed to, and you know where it fucks me up specifically when I'm I'm cool I'm only doing beer, but when people are like oh let's do shots and then I don't know where my count is now oh, gotcha. you know and that's where it creeps up on you and before you know it you are that douchebag and the next day people are telling you stories like oh dude you fucked up last night like, <laughs> I'm like fuck man I didn't mean to fuck I'm sorry because you're back to a different personality than the personality that was the night before you know that kind of thing. Well, um, what was it? Uh, Scott Fitzgerald. Uh-huh. He said, um... Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston. In, and, uh... uh Men yep, yep. And you know, he's, you know he's playing, um... God damn it. Who is he playing? He's playing someone... Uh, he's, uh... I was gonna say Johnny Cash. He's playing Hank Williams in the biopic. What the fuck? Really? Yes, yes. You know that? Yeah. No shit. Tom Hiddleston playing Hank Williams' biopic. Uh-huh. Oh, not bad. Yeah. It's... It, I, I can't wait for that one. Dude. Uh, touching up on Leonardo DiCaprio again. Uh-huh. Uh, his next role is, like, is very, uh... Prominent serial killer. Who? Uh, what's the name of that one? Right? I don't remember. Off Tommy, the top of my head. Tommy might know. <laughs> oh yeah, seriously. <laughs> Go ahead. What is your uh, wait. What the hell were we talking about? Like, just before that. Um, topping off like, like levels where we're at, like talking about like knowing your limits for alcohol, um, where you become the guy you before you can be, become a douchebag. Shit, I know I had a like, point that I wanted to make from that. I think it was from that. Fuck. Well, uh, just uh, touching up on, you know, like, we were talking about absence before, and um, did we talk about music at all, like, in reference to that? For absence? No, but we... No, no, I'm sorry. I remember now. Okay, go ahead. Uh, We were talking about how um, uh, River Phoenix, and then we were talking about, you know, committed suicide. uh, Yeah. uh, Well, I don't think it was there. Was it... I thought it was an OD this whole time. Uh, Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was an overdose. Okay, okay, yeah. But either way, it was just a life led into... Yeah, I I, I know what you mean, yeah. You know? um, And, uh, you know, at the Viper Room, where uh, Johnny Depp, mm-hmm. you know, he, he owns it. Well, I don't know if he still owns it. I think he actually, like, sold it or passed on member or oh, okay. ownership yeah. to somebody else. Anyway, uh, every Halloween, I think, it was uh, October 31st, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, Rear Phoenix died. Like, he closes doors, you know, just as a... In respect or a tribute. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, River Phoenix, apparently, he was a very close friend to Michael Stipe. Uh, from R.E.M. R.E.M., yeah. Yeah, and... Um, I guess, you know, like, you know, while uh, River Phoenix was doing his acting thing and Michael Sipes doing his touring thing, you know, with R.E.M. Yeah. You know, they would just, like, communicate through letters. At least that's uh, the way the story tells it. But, um, there was this last letter that Michael Sipes wrote to River Phoenix that he never got to give to him because by then he had already overdosed. He was dead. Yeah, that's it. Damn. That's, Yeah. So, uh, wow, that letter, yeah, that he meant to give to him, he turned into a song. It's called Ebo the Letter. Wow, and it's called Ebo the Letter, you know, in Ebo, uh huh, Ebo. It's a, uh, it's actually, it almost looks like a Bluetooth set, like a little Bluetooth earpiece. Mm-hmm. That's what it looks like. It's pretty much like this, like, little electronic device that you hover over a guitar, yeah, a, a guitar string, and it makes it like resonate almost as if you were like 
strumming a bow over mm-hmm. a violin. He uses that vibrato effect. Like, uh, electronic bow, that's mm-hmm. what it is, you know? It's called Evil the Letter. And, um, I mean, I can't remember the whole song, like, over it. But that song is that last letter that uh, Michael Sype wrote to River Phoenix. And it's like, like, I remember, you know, it, it's on the album, um, uh, something hi-fi. It came out like when I was in high school. It's like yeah. one of my, you know, like alternative albums from back then. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, but after learning about that, even back then, even before I knew the story, it made a I thought it was like fucking awesome. It's a fucking awesome song. That's crazy. And then I learned about you know like what it was actually about. Mm-hmm. About you know like that last letter that Michael Sipe wrote to River Phoenix. Yeah, it became haunting. And once I hear it again, it's like I, I could have heard it a hundred times before you knew that. What right. You knew. Yeah. And then after like hearing that, it just you know took it to this whole different level where it just became haunting, haunting man. That's like, crazy. Yeah. It is like you know even now like listening back to it. Do you remember any like, specific lyrics from it that will make a difference? Well, actually, because he talks about absinthe in it. Oh, funny. He yeah. references <laughs> it, and I I miss it as a kid because I didn't know any better. I just of course, remember yeah, like. Yeah. I don't know, I just hear something. Like, honestly, to be honest with you, um, I remember, like, hearing that song, like, when we used to live across the street from you. Yeah. I remember uh, we're getting out of the car. It's nighttime. I don't know where we were coming from. But, like, it was the last song that was playing on the radio. That's funny. Like, I just, like, I don't know why I remember that. I remember, like, getting out of the car the way the sky looked. I don't know how to, like, explain it to you or to anybody else, you know? In a sense where it's like, oh, like, did something happen? Like, what makes that night stick out over any other night? Yeah. Like, there's no element of that. I just remember, like, the song is that element. And because you weren't there, there's no way that I could explain it to you. Yeah, you know I, what I mean? You. Yeah, I definitely get you, yeah. Our New Adventures of Hi-Fi. There you go. That's the name That's of the, the album. That's the name of the album? Yeah. Because there's this other song, other song called Electrolyte, which is also a fucking awesome song. That was uh, uh, sponsored by Gatorade, right? Like, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Kudos. No, um, uh, uh, no. It's like honestly, like um, when I first heard that song, which is another one of my favorite songs. Like, uh, cause he talks a lot about L.A. Mm-hmm. Just uh, think, uh, Long December. Yeah, I know yeah. that that song holds like a different, you know, meaning for you. Did I you tell know? you about that? Yeah, you know about you, that. You told me about that. That's fine. Uh, or we could uh, reiterate. Oh, uh, what do you remember me telling you about before I bring it up? Uh, just Iraq. like you were, you know, back east, east, and, uh... Middle east, yeah. Yeah, Like, know. there was this moment, there was a specific moment where, um, I was on watch, and you do these, like, 12-hour shifts or whatever, you know, on watch, and you're literally manning a tower for that long, and there's, you gotta keep your sanity in a certain way, you know, and I felt, you know, there's some guys that couldn't have, you know, some guys would try to be relieved, like, hey, you know, like, just, you know, they'll sell their watch. Let me get two, three hours off this. Let me get four hours off this, and I'll do this for you. And they're doing anything. And I would be one of those guys, like, I'll take your watch. Don't trip. And I'd be end up doing, like, 12 hours, maybe even sometimes up to, you know, longer than that. Oh, and just because I was comfortable with solitude, uh, you know. Right. And most of the times I'd just write or I'd read one or two. And, uh, but a lot of times I'd write. You know, I wrote, I kept a journal while I was out there and uh, journal in quotations, but really I was trying to write a, a book or a, a novel or some shit. Right. Which I still have now, but I just gotta, <laughs> I gotta chick. It looked like chicken scratch that I have to type back up. <laughs> that kind of thing, and I'm just. Uh, anyways, on the play on my my playlist, one of those things that was that would go on 
like at two, three in the morning when it gets super creepy. Dude, it gets when when you're doing your thing off sleep deprivation and food deprivation, you're. I think there's a naturally start to hallucinate it. You know, uh, without your, your body's rea uh, reaction for lack of. The, and um, and there is a thing whatever. to that. There's like monks have been proven. It's been proven. Like you do hallucinate, hallucinate without any kind of um, um, taking anything edible or, or in, anything. You know, what I'm saying without drug. If all you gotta do is stop your sleep and stop your food, and you're gonna after a day or two, you're gonna hallucinate. You're gonna see some shit. And for me, it would always be really, really fucking creepy, uh, aside from the shit that me and you have in our heads, you know, so who knows if it was just our minds, you know, <laughs> filling in the gaps type thing, but it'd be two, three in the morning, uh, and you just like, damn, am I seeing that? I don't even know, or am I tripping? Someone's walking towards me. I have, sometimes I'd be, I'd literally have my rifle up, like, and I'd be yelling at nothing. That ended up being nothing, but I swear there was somebody moving towards me, shit like that, dude. Oh, Anyways, man. but on your on my playlist, a lot of shit would come on. One of those things would be Long December. Every time Long December came on from the Counting Crows, I oh, started getting teary-eyed because the lyrics would just hit to a, a fucking... And obviously, Adam Duritz, man. Dude, Adam uh, fucking Duritz. Obviously, he's not fucking talking about him being in Iraq <laughs> during December and during Christmas missing home. He's not talking about that. He's talking about a different, whole different thing. But those lyrics that he said, whether for, they didn't mean the same thing that they meant to him that they meant to me. You know, that, that chorus hits, and it's long December, and it's something to believe. And that would hit me like, oh, my God, I fucking miss home, like, so bad right now. I want to be home. You don't want to be anywhere else where you're at right now. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Yeah. And it would hit you in a certain way. Until this day, when I hear that song, it just takes me right back to where I was when I was wishing I was back home. And it brings a certain tear to my eye type of thing, you know? It's really oh, man, I get you. Sidetrack, but that was a story behind that. But go no, ahead. like no, like I, I get you. You know, like where something takes you to somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Like just the other day, I was at a Starbucks, and uh, they're playing Megan Trainer. Yeah, I like her. I like her a lot, man. And I was yeah. like, oh man, I can't be here. So I no, took I, me to a different place. I went somewhere else. I honestly, I look at her as like a uh, like a pop version of Adele or something like that. You know, and I like Adele. Yeah. No, oh, well, yeah, she she has something, you know, like it does yeah. have something. Like I'm not familiar with Megan Trainor's music so oh, much. Okay, yeah. Other than one, I, I I just like the way that um I'm glad like because my, my daughter likes her and I and I'm glad that my daughter's looking at someone who's not conventionally she's pretty but she's not conventionally pretty to what you normally see because she's I don't know if you know her yeah, yeah I know what she she's she's a little bit bigger girl yeah yeah and I like the fact that she's promoting herself out there as being like this is acceptable too. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, regardless if her music is like some of it, kind of like uh, form formulaic, formulaic, it's just it's poppy bullshit, right? Right, I just like the message that she's giving out because you don't see girls that look like her on MTV, and I'm glad that she's doing her thing. You know what I mean, I'm glad I'm, I guess I'm more. I'm more supportive of the message she's putting out than the artistic shit she's putting out, you know, that kind of thing. Call yeah. it artistic or autistic, maybe it's just. <laughs> I'm just drunk. <laughs> I got you. I feel like where you come from. Anyways, but go ahead. Just so you were saying, like you ain't feeling it, or whatever. No, that was just. It was just a joke that I read online. I got you. And like, oh, you know, I was at a Starbucks. They were playing so and so. So I left. and went somewhere else. Mm -hmm. yeah, it was on about like you the coffee bean. to a different place. Coffee bean made that joke. I get you. Was it a coffee? No, bean? but, but oh. I'm just saying because it's a competitor of Starbucks. Yes. <laughs> but it's the same shit. You I get you. Yeah, it was I just, you. you know, yeah. like. Oh yeah, they, I like the setup, you know, like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, you know, um, I'm always like trying to analyze it, you know, I'm going to try to do that. Right now. 
you know, where it's like, oh, yeah, music takes you to a different place. So already it's like, yes, you know, like I get that, you know, because I think like subconsciously you're always like, looking for, you know, for that, uh, it's not acceptance, you know, where it's like you make that connection with somebody else that you don't know that you never met, but they get the same thing that you get, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's okay. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, music takes me to a different place too. And then like the setup from the joke is like, oh, I was at a Starbucks and they started playing so-and-so. So I had to get the fuck out of there and go somewhere else. So yeah, music takes you to a different place, you know? Yeah. It was like one of those, like, oh, very clever. I guess. I, I, I could, I, yeah. I wouldn't say I that I thought it was joke, pretty clever. But I would say something like, oh, yeah, like, um, I was at a Starbucks and, like, uh, I'm, I shouldn't say, I'm like, doing jokes now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was at a Starbucks and, like, I heard One Direction in on the radio, so it made me go in a different direction. So it's like, <laughs> oh, like that, right? right? Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. That, I don't know. I'm assuming something like that. Yeah, yeah it's okay. pretty much the same thing, you know? It's just a joke, Stu- though, Stupid. You know? Comedian, but it's like one of those like one-liners, like oh yeah, you know I get that, you know. But it's like no offense to anybody's that doing that's you know doing their thing. Um, before that, what were we talking about? We're talking about REM, and we're talking about well, actually we're talking about Counting Crows and Black Sabbath. Yeah, Ebo the letter. No, I just mentioned it just because of that. Mm -hmm. Um, just like knowing the uh, story, Mm -hmm. and I remember you told me the story behind that, like what it meant for you. Yeah, and it always stuck with me. It still sticks with me. That's why I brought it up. It it makes it makes it. It just changes your view on the way you see things in a certain way. You know, Uh, just knowing things behind that. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, 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 even if it you. doesn't, ma- even if that's not what they meant, it affected you in a way that it relates to you in a different way. Where that's what I meant, and now you, it's hard to think of it in a different way. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I guess I yeah, get you. yeah. But um, like I'm trying to think back, you know, like why I liked that song before I knew like what the story was yeah. about because it was like Can years before. Yeah. It was years before I knew before like, you knew the, the the real behind the, the music. The whole, shit. Yeah, exactly. You know. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it was just like, because, you know, um, it was Butch something, I forget what the... Cassidy. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, the guitarist from R.E.M. Mm-hmm. You know, where he, he's using an Ebo, and it just sounds like, you know, like a bow, like, strumming across a guitar. Yeah. But back then, you Robert, know, it was just Robert like, it, it just sounded like fucking cool. I don't know. I mean, like, like, if you were to, like, ask somebody, like, why their favorite song is their favorite song, like... At least personally, I would think that they wouldn't know just because maybe it just uh, reaches a level that you can't, like, you know, be, like, so... Well, it's a trick question because I remember asking... Because that question, like, why is your movie, that movie, your favorite movie? Why is that song your favorite song? It's almost exactly asking, like... uh, I remember somebody asking me, like, uh, you know, before me, me and Jackie were married, like, why why do you love your girl? Like, that's a stupid question to ask. If I can if I can explain why I love it, then it's easy to dismiss it. Right. And there, you shouldn't be able to explain why you love someone. You shouldn't be able to. You shouldn't be able to explain why something connects with you in a certain way. Why a song hits you in a certain way, or why a movie touches you, in, or art, whatever it is, anything of emotional response. You shouldn't be able to explain it because if you can explain it, then it's not hitting you in an emotional response. It's hitting you in a logistical response, and then it's explained away. And then it's going to lose its value. Yeah. So it becomes... Uh, well, it already was tangible. Exactly. You just weren't aware that it was. Exactly. And it's just the fact and that you can kind of exactly. like... Mm-hmm. Almost like if you can get it, you can 
push it away. Exactly. Exactly. So that question, you shouldn't be able to answer that question that anybody asks you about whether it be someone you love, you know, in, in a in an emo- in a romantic way, whether it be a song that you love, or you know, wh- whatever it is, you shouldn't be able to answer that question. You should just be able to like I don't know why it is. It just connects with me in a certain way. I that, it should be un- inexplainable and like you said, tangible. That's a great way to put it. It shouldn't be tangible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's um. Um, what was it? Oh, fuck. There was this one movie. It reminded me just what you just mm-hmm. said right now. Um, shit. It's like um. I don't. I don't know if it. It, it was probably a book actually. Mm-hmm. But either way, like it was this quote that said, you know, where it was addressing what um, how like how do you know if you've met your soulmate? Yeah. You know, like, you know, like, people talk about, like, butterflies in their stomach, yeah. and, like, you know, like, Which your is there, bodily yeah. senses are just kind of, like, hyping up. Mm-hmm. But that's almost like, uh, it's just kind of addressing your physical sense, but it's beyond that. Mm-hmm. Like, when you meet your soulmate, it said that you don't feel anything. You feel calm, and you feel peace. Almost like, yeah, 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 peace. That's like, what I was going to say. Yeah. You don't feel, like, there, there's no hecticness, you know, yeah. there's no alarm, there's nothing like that. You feel peace, and that's when you know a comfort, that a comfortableness. Yeah, at least you know, you know. Yeah, that's when you know that you've met your soul. I like that. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like, I like that. Like it's comforting, so it's at least like at least for me, you know, like because you know, you know, any relationship, it's it's a roller coaster. It's gonna go up and down crazy, but exactly. it's that one that you can find that subtle trait where you can finally settle through. It's gonna make it through. You know, there's actually uh, Josh Whedon. You know who uh, uh, directed, directed Avengers, uh-huh. uh, and Buffy, and all that, and he created Buffy. But he wrote a book on uh, a graphic novel um, on the X Men, and he talks about uh, specifically the book was about Kitty Pride. But he says something that reminded me of that. And the last quote of the part four of that book was, uh, or the the Act Four, whatever you want to call it, was like it's it's weird. Uh, this is her her quote. Like it's weird when you're. Live your life and you're waiting for the dust to settle. And then you realize that the dust settling is your life. Goddamn. Yeah. And I, and I was like, God damn, that's a great quote. And, this, and, and that, like, right there, if you ask anybody, like, uh, it's like, oh, that's a comic book. No, nope. That's a graphic novel. And that's why that's a graphic novel because of that quote right there. Like, it's a, it's a perfect representation of why that holds just as much value as something from Ernest Hemingway. Because, uh, you know, it's whatever medium you choose to, writing is, good writing is good writing, whatever medium you choose to portray it in. Right. Whether it's a novel, whether it's a graphic novel, you know, good good writing is good writing, and that's good writing. You know what I mean? Huh. So, um, like, say, uh, like, what if somebody that wasn't, you know, like, aware of, you know, whatever uh, graphic novel was compared to a comic book? Mm-hmm. They like you know they would just see like say Spider Man on the cover it's like all oh, that's a fucking comic book yeah like I don't read it's e- it is I don't easy read to the energy to the uneducated person it is it is easy to dismiss but it's all about how the person selling you on it it can portray it you know what I'm saying like if I'm trying to sell you on it like and I'm I'm gonna do I'm gonna try to be articulate like dude you gotta you can take so much more from it than than what's given on face value you just gotta look past it's actually the same conversation we were having in the last podcast. For with movies, look past what's being portrayed for you, read between the lines, and you're gonna see something that's for you. 
that's for anybody. That's for that's deeper. That's deep thought. You know what I mean? Hmm. That means something more than what's the, that means something more than what the obvious is. You know what I mean? And you just gotta look a little bit deeper hmm. or a little bit harder, and it's there, dude. And you're gonna find some shit that's gonna blow your mind, or it's, you're gonna find some shit that's gonna touch you, touch your heart. You're gonna find some shit that's gonna make you think like, fuck. You know what I mean? That's like, damn, that's right. You know, you're right. You know, you just gotta look. You know, you gotta squint your eyes, man. Just squint your eyes. <laughs> you're right there. You know, <laughs> that's the way so I feel speak. about those things. Yeah, absolutely, so to speak. Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, going back to let's say uh, um, musical things that changed the way you thought about it before or after. Oh, um, yeah. You build a letter. Like, was there any other songs that? You loved, and then you heard, you found out the story. What to that song afterwards, and did it change the way you loved it, or did it make you appreciate it more? Mm. I'm pretty sure it like uh, like say, like, um, like a simple version. Like I, you know, I'm obsessed with No Doubt, and then I found out after I loved those songs that they're actually about the bass player. You know, Tony oh, Canale. Tony Canale. Yeah, yeah, you know, things like that. You no, know, yeah, you I get you. That, yeah. Um, you know, in the air tonight with uh, Phil Collins. That's creepy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is pretty creepy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and to those who aren't familiar, it was uh, Phil Collins who was a number one fan, uh, a fan obsessed or something like that, right? Yeah, it, like killed somebody. Mm-hmm. Then he ended up seeing him at a concert. Like I'm not like too aware. Like okay. at the moment, I can't even remember the rest of the story. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, he killed somebody and he saw him and then he saw him at a show. Yeah, the same guy that in his, the face that he saw, it, it almost haunted him again or something like that. Right, right. right. Mm. I just keep thinking about Eminem. Like, oh, Stan? Stan? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, fucking Eminem. He's one of those guys, he's in the same boat for me as Nirvana, as the Beatles. Where it's these guys that are white. No, I'm kidding. It's these guys <laughs> that are like, uh, I didn't appreciate because the hype was overdrawn. And I didn't appreciate him until after I let the hype settle. And then I listened to him. Like, that's what the hype Without was Without the bias. Without the bias. Absolutely. And then I realized, like, oh, shit, they deserve that hype. You know, that kind of thing. Like, the Beatles. Yeah. It's like, do we have? Yeah, we do shit, right? Because I, <laughs> like, uh, you know, the Beatles, perfect example, were, like, forever up until, like, in my 20s. All of high school, I ignored them. You know, being the, quote, unquote, musician that I, that I thought I was. Yeah. Uh, I'll take uh, Boston. Being the musician that I was like, you know what, I'm, a, you know, I don't really like the Beatles just because everybody likes them. So I'm just gonna, my my point of view was already skewed, you know that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You get into them after that whole, you you realize that whole, you know, bullshit. Like ah, just listen to them, just listen to them. Oh man, so under, just great songwriting, great song that you know, just that's what it was. Uh, they know how to write pop songs. Nirvana is the same thing. I got into music. Right as Kurt Cobain had just blown his fucking brains out. Oh, right, so he's yeah. getting blown the fuck up. And I was just like, what's the big fucking deal? Keep in mind, my first album that I ever owned was Unplugged. New York, uh, you know, oh, man. And that probably is, their, be- in my opinion, their best album out of everything I've, I've, you know, I've heard. And then you, you learn to appreciate them in time. Like, no, they deserve more than the recognition they got. You know, this is why, you know, because you're, you're, you're asking, as you're, as you're listening to them in the time, you're asking, like, what's the big fucking deal? Once the hype is gone, like, oh, yeah, they were a big fucking deal. Eminem was one of the guys like, who I learned to appreciate afterwards. Like, uh, keep in mind, because the standard for me, specifically for rap, also, like, Tupac's my boy. Old school Ice Cube is my boy. So he has nothing to compare. 
And then you're like, you know what? L- let me stop judging him and let me listen to him. And he's got something going on. He he's definitely up there in contention for. He should be on a top five, top ten list for as far as artistic rappers go. Uh huh. Yeah, he's up there. He's absolutely he he he's a good representation of what people should be, or aspire to be. You know that kind of thing. But just uh, depending on, I guess what they're supposed to like say, um, like a kid just listening to a top forty right now. Yeah. You know, this is all that he knows. Just like whatever his parents are home. Just like whatever you hear on the fucking radio. Kiss, power, whatever. Yeah. What if that's all they know to aspire to? Whatever it is that they're talking about or the way that they do it. Like, do you think that they would, like, in the future, like, assuming that, you know, this is kind of like a thing at the moment. Oh, but yeah, it, a flash in the pan. Right. Mm-hmm. right. But say, you know, like everything, things change, things evolve. Like, would that same kid be able to kind of, like, make it in whatever the next round of, you know, popular music is? Oh, man, it just depends on the kid, obviously. But, like, based on the music we have now, he there's two types of versions. You can just say, like, oh, I can do that and think he can do that. And uh, he probably could. Or you can think, like, man, I could do better than that. That kind of thing. Those are, those are two types of mentalities to look at the music you have laid before you, you know, mm. whether you can aspire to be that. Because you know you're as good, or whether you think like shit, I'm better than that. Yeah, that whatever the mentality is, and, that, and let me make sure I prove to everybody else that I'm better than you know that kind of thing. Two types of mentality to look at it, and depending on what the kid is, you know, or who who, who how the kid feels, and, and it's definitely like um, one of those things where like let me look to the past to people who hit the pinnacle of what this represented, and let me aspire to them, and that means I know I'll be better than the ones at our present. And uh, let's say we're let's go outside of rap music. Um, you know, at the time when me and you grew up, for the most part, um, most alternative slash punk was more of the popular. You know, even Skull, you know, mm. at the time, you know, and it was. Mm-hmm. For, you're not getting anything past three chord progression, right? Uh, and that's it's pretty basic. It's, pretty it's basic. easy to listen to. Like you're getting power, the the birth of a power chord, you know, or that kind of thing. Was well, so, that uh, Jimi Hendrix or was it Throne Uh I'm not, no, but I'm not sure. But you know what I'm saying? Like people are using this for their complete songs. You're getting you're you're growing up when Blink One Two is just starting, when Green when Green Bay is at the pinnacle of their thing, where these songs are easy to play. Where it's not really. I mean, that doesn't mean that the songs weren't amazing. They were, but I'm just saying the the. It's not hard to play a song from The Clash. It's not hard to play a song from Green Day or from whatever. It's not hard to play. You you learn a few power chords and you can probably all you got to learn is the power. But even at a certain point, it's not even about the chord. It's just the progression. Like like yeah. I think if you know the progression, yes. Like because I think like when you hear something, uh, it follows a pattern. Just like we're talking about patterns. Absolutely. Like same thing. For me, like music was always that thing. Yeah, I just remember even just like learning a couple of Nirvana songs, you know. Like Nirvana, the same fo- thing. They followed a pattern. They followed a pattern, and it was mostly power chords. And that doesn't give away. That doesn't take away from how awesome they were, right? Especially. But that even what, then, you know. But what I'm saying was, if you wanted to get better than they were, you looked to your past, didn't you? Because who, obviously, Robert Plant. You know, I'm sorry, uh, Jimmy Page. Let they were better than Black Sabbath, Tony Iommi. You know, their their solos, their uh, you know, even not even that long ago, uh, fucking Stevie Ray Vaughan, one of my favorite guitarists. Oh, time, right, right, right. he was before does straight. He's not doing straight up regular power chords. He's doing these fucking crazy ass, amazing blues, uh, you know, solos, and 
Jimi Hendrix, who's, you know, 30 years before, he's doing his crazy ass. I'm just saying, like, you look to your past to see who hit the pinnacle of that, and you learn their music, that means everything else comes easy. And that means you're, you can be, you can mm, create your own music that can be better than what, you, you know what I'm saying? That kind of thing. There's two ways to look yeah, at it. Um, Either you get as good as what's shown in front of you, or you look to your past to get even better and to create. Oh, right. Music, yeah. You know? um, That's like, uh, you're only as good as your last performance, that kind of thing. Oh yeah, I guess. That, uh, that's what my uh, music teacher in orchestra in eighth grade he used to tell us. Uh, like, Yamamoto. Uh, yeah, Mr. Yamamoto, absolutely. Mm-hmm. He was like, it was this whole speech, you know. Like I don't remember what happened, but apparently we were all fucked up, and it's just that whole mentality for somebody telling you like, oh, you're not good enough, this and that. Yeah. And it was like whatever. Uh, what whiplash style? <laughs> oh yeah, pretty yeah, much, yeah. you know. Yeah. But that's like one of the things that like Discipline. I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> like, like, uh, Joel Shooter used to tell us that all the time. That's why I was like, oh, I, I, it hit me. Go ahead. Yeah, so. No, I mean, that's all it was. Like, he just said, it was almost like really dramatic. Almost as if somebody was filming us, but nobody was filming us. Yeah. It was like going off about whatever. And it's like, he just like kind of like stops, steps off the platform, and he just like looks over and he's like, you're only as good as your last performance. <laughs> then he walks off. I think that's true of life in it general. It always stuck with me. I don't know. I mean, I think that's true of life in general. You know, kind of touching. Oh, uh, they I'm were sorry. pretty cool. Well, I think, like, let's go back to, like, we're talking about drinking. Like, let's say, you know, nine times out of ten, every time you're drinking, you control yourself and you're having a great time. And you're that guy everyone wants to be around because you're funny, fun, drunk. Oh, I think that's just, like, drunk talk because, like... Uh-huh. Like, um, remember Beer Fest? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Where, um, Jay Shandrasikar, he's like, you know, drunk or whatever. They're yeah. playing that <laughs> yeah. game. Yeah. And, like, in I his head, he's, that. like, all suave or whatever. Of course, but in reality, yeah. he's all, like, fucking yeah. fucked up. I think that's just, like, to well, me, that's just the way it is. You're absolutely know. right. No, no, that's not what I was talking about. That's actually not the point oh, I was talking about. But that part is funny. And for the most part, you're absolutely right. No, but what I'm saying as, like, um, you're only as good as your ass performance. The point I was actually making was, like, Let's say, you know, 9 times out of 10, you are that cool guy. In Whether it's in your head or outside. You're, like, you, you drink, everybody wants to drink with you. Everybody wants to be, have fun with you and do shots with you, that kind of thing. But there's that one time where you get too drunk and you start becoming that douchebag asshole we were talking about earlier. Oh, gotcha. And you start being like, oh, my God, like, take him home or please get away from me. You're, you start getting over overbearing and that kind of thing. Everybody remembers you when you were no those nine uh, ten times you got drunk. Nobody remembers that nine times where you were awesome and everybody fucking loved you and everybody. Oh okay. No one remembers that. Everybody remembers that one time you were a fucking douchebag and you drank too much and you weren't able to control yourself. And that's what they remember. Nobody wants to drink with you ever again now because oh they know how you get. Even though like no that was only that was only one time out of ten. Everyone remembers the last. It happens to everybody, you know. Like, everyone remembers the last bad performance, that kind of thing, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, that's fine, you know, just like the way that you mentioned Whiplash. Yeah, keep going, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, where, um, uh, J.K. Simmons, he's, uh, telling, uh, fuck, what was his name? Miles Jury. It was... Miles character. Well, yeah, uh, you know, he was telling him about how, uh, was it Dizzy Gillespie? Yeah. Was it... Charlie Parker or Dizzy Charlie Parker, I'm sorry. The bird. 
Yeah, and uh, I guess he he fucked up during the session, and he threw a symbol at him, and it kind of like cut him across his head. Yeah. And that kind of like inspired him to be like even better, because there's that part towards the end of uh, Whiplash. Uh, super sorry, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Whiplash, where he meets him, you know, after that whole thing. I'm not yeah. gonna say it unless you watch it. Where um, he's saying like, "Good job." There's nothing more uh, detrimental than, you know, saying something to somebody as good job. Because after somebody says that, it's like, it makes you want to, like, stop trying. Like, there's nothing, like, you don't have to achieve higher than to the point that you're at. It's like, no, you know, because when you do that, you're going to, like, fuck people up as opposed to. That part reminded me straight up of this old, um, not this old. When I was in the Marines, the drone instructor said, almost a similar version he said like don't ever get comfortable if you get comfortable you're gonna nice. stop trying don't ever cheers to you buddy thank you he said if you ever get comfortable you're gonna stop wanting to improve yourself don't ever be comfortable always always wanted to be better than you, what you are now and I always remember that but that, that part of the movie reminded me of that part from boot camp like yeah it's an awesome scene mm-hmm. man like, yeah good job Good. You know, the, just actually, the way that he said it. What that Oscar awesome might be was that'll do, pig. <laughs> From Babe. <laughs> I love that movie, man. Oh man, dude, it's I one of the greatest. Uh, was it John Cromwell or no Nick Cromwell? Something like that. Whatever the James Cromwell. James, thank you, James Cromwell. The the part where he just looks down after he does a perfect turn, he's like, "That'll do, pig." <laughs> Dude, I, I, I even like for, as a human watching him, like no for comedic Dad? for comedic value. I hope I fucking pray to hope either my son or daughter do something where it's amazing, and I just look at him and go, "That'll do, pig." Yeah. <laughs> just for comedic value, I just want to be able to. Talk. Oh. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, dude. <laughs> man, one day, like, I would hope for the same. Mm. Yeah. Wasn't it with you? We were watching Zombieland, right? We went to the theaters to watch Zombieland, I think. Yeah. I remember. And that scene came up where uh, um, Woody Harrelson doesn't know what to tell. He's like, oh, I don't know what to say right no, now. No, no, but, but he's like, uh, uh, that'll do big. He's like, oh, shit. <laughs> I think me and you were the other ones, like, literally <laughs> crying <laughs> in the theaters. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like, who else would get that unless you? Right. But you know, like when you think about it, it's like if you put like that much like emphasis, like it's not you putting that much emphasis. It's just something that just kind of like, struck you yeah, like absolutely, that. Absolutely. Yeah. Even you know, like the where you were like mentioning your know, past and present and future earlier. Yeah. Almost like you were inclined to like it was gonna strike a chord with you, but at the moment you didn't know. Yeah. You weren't cognizant enough. Of it, absolutely. But later on in life, it's like it almost like comes into play from like this sense. end. All makes this sense. End, yeah, and it comes, man. That's <laughs> awesome. That is fucking awesome. I, I, I think so too, man. I agree. <laughs> man, good shit. Fucking zombie land. I thought they were supposed to make part two. I don't know. <clears throat> what they're making is, um, you know, the dude that did uh, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Was Alan it? Rickman? No. Uh, <laughs> he was a... Uh, the depressed robot? Yeah. He's awesome. He's my favorite character, He's man. Awesome. He was my... Oh, besides him and uh, Sam Rockwell. Oh, Sam Rockwell's your favorite character in every movie because he's the best, you know? Uh, no, no. Um, the same authors are the guys that did the... Um, 
Zombieland was actually the movie was actually supposed to be a series because it, it's the same dudes that did like How to Survive a Zombie Apocalypse or uh, it, it's kind of like satire books. Oh, the Docking Wed. No, I don't think. I think it was it's, it's actually before Walking Dead. Actually, they got turned down uh, from AMC because this is before Walking Dead because they they specifically told and then they turned it into a movie. But they got turned into seriously. They're like, no, a zombie show would never work. <laughs> that kind of thing. There was it was one of those oh, stories. Interesting. Uh, but they they do have a sequel in quotation marks coming out, and it's kind of like uh, the the zombie survivor's guide, or no, the survivor's guide to surviving the zombie apocalypse. I don't know if you've seen the preview for the trailer's out for it. Already. I've seen the trailer. It looks pretty good. I know the book. It, it, it looks pretty good, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I'd be down to watch something like that. Ah, oh, man. I'm I like shit like that, man. Oh, I love like, it. I love Well, I love anything post apocalyptic, man. I fucking. I'm, I rule the day when that comes through. Like, dude, that's going to be the. That's it's going to happen. Tyler I don't know shine. if it's going to happen in, in our lifetime. It's going to be Tyler But shine, that man. shit will fucking happen. Uh, time to shine, dude. That's the. Uh, you know? Yeah. I can't wait for that day. It's going to happen. What would you do? What was the first thing you'd do? Like, if a zombie fox is hit, where would you go for resources or that kind of thing? Resources, shit. I just know, uh, fuck. My dad has a Jeep out in the front. <laughs> I fucking poke a couple of, like, fucking, like, unsterile nails or knives or something. I don't know. Just, like, something would you stay, Mad Max. Would items. you stay in his home or would you look for somewhere else to go? Like, uh, damn. Maybe like on a fucking shit. Where would I go? Would you I would think like higher ground. Or would you do the mall thing or the IKEA thing, or would you look for like a mountain thing or the wilderness thing, surviving the wilderness thing? Uh, not so much the wilderness, or or, or it would be more of like a finding like a higher post. Yeah, that's all I could think of. Mm-hmm. You know, just like see what's Hollywood going sign. on. <laughs> Seems like where everybody else would go, so I wouldn't go there. I would, I would like, like honestly, I would like to make my way towards the water, just almost like as an escape. Like, there's that, but oh, like take a boat up, to, or like keep a boat in and on hand, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. But it's either that or I don't know, just go further back east and make your way to the other side of the United States. I mean, but you know, depending on you know, what if they, everybody else is, cra- you know, exactly. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to be like step ahead of everybody in a situation where, like, depending on how, for me, like, depending on how populated our area would be with quotation zombies, I would either stay in the area or, like you said, go to the marina. But the number one pitfall where, where I would stop by is like the refineries gallons and gallons of water like literally hmm. those five gallons so i would stop by a refinery and just load the shit up with water water system too shabby. and that and or make my even stand there it's, it's pretty well secured there but yeah i would do that go to you know gallons gallons of water make my stand do what i have to do whatever or you know gather up there and then go i wouldn't do the mall thing i wouldn't do the ikea thing like most people do um, and this is if the base isn't available. Like, if I can't go to a base, you know, those, the ones, you know, for only the people know about, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Then, yeah, that would do that. And 100%, um, fucking just, I don't care if you look like a zombie. If I don't like you, you're fucking dying. <laughs> and I'll use that oh, as an excuse. Oh, um, uh, that Simpsons episode where, uh, Homer's, like, blacking off. Yeah. How did you know he was a zombie? <laughs> yeah. He was a zombie? <laughs> zombie yeah. man? 
Hundred percent. That's what we're doing, man. Shows over, Shakespeare. No, because he had all these like really clever punchlines. Mm -hmm. Like to me, they were timeless. I don't, I don't know. It's just because they grew up with them. I don't know if you saw recently. I think it was last year. Go ahead. Uh, if it was last year's Halloween episode, but um, I think it was Guillermo del Toro that got a chance to do the opening theme song for the Halloween episode. Really? Yeah, and it was. Like, before I saw, like, um, the credits that said opening theme song by Gibran Choro, instantly you knew it was him. Because it looked like he was doing, like, a advanced version of um, Pan's Labyrinth mixed with, like, Hellboy, mixed with, like, Blade 2. Everything he's ever done, because he's really, really creative when it comes to that world of doing creepy, really, really creepy haunted shit. He, he's really, really creative. And, uh... No, no, no. It, yeah, it was animated, but and you could definitely tell the the um, you could just you, you tell he had his hand in it, you know, and it was really really cool, cool to watch. Yeah, it wasn't too long ago. I, I want to say it was about a year ago. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm sure if you YouTube it, you could probably find. Just type in Simpsons opening Halloween theme slash Guillermo Toro, and I'm sure it'll probably be number one thing that pops up. Um. I'm not sure what else we got. Uh, just a few more minutes, so we're just killing a little bit of time. I almost want to do a part three, but we <laughs> we promised each other that we wouldn't do another part three. Um, I listened to the last episode last week that we did with the part three, and I was slurring the shit out of my words, and I really, really <laughs> want to apologize. We ended up taking it down just because it was almost unbearable to listen to. It was pretty bad and I apologize for that and I'm pretty sure that's how this you know at least the last 10 20 minutes is sounding but um but we got about you know five some more minutes left so bear with me bear with me. we're almost through <laughs> loaf you were saying something inaudible while you're over there what were you saying I'm sorry oh man where was that I was just like actually like commenting on uh, everything that you were telling me um uh-huh uh, just refresh my memory. Yeah, we were just talking about Guillermo Toro opening scenes for The Simpsons and whatnot that I, I picture. Oh, that. um, uh, did you ever see the Banksy episode? Of The Simpsons? No, I don't think so. Where, uh, same thing, he did the intro for that episode, mm -hmm. which is fucking awesome. Oh, tell me. Like, it's one of those things, uh, like, it created a controversy, like, really? people were getting, like, pissed at him, like, wow. suing him, I don't know what happened. Yeah, yeah. And, um, like, I remember, like, The Simpsons growing up, you know, the way the intro was then, but this was, like, one of the intros, like, I guess it was contemporary, the way that it is now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I had, like, all these, like, little Banksy things. Uh, for all those that don't know, uh, Banksy was this very prominent, um, graffiti artist. Still is, damn. We've talked about him before in the podcast, Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, like, he has this uh, very different style, you know. It's uh, very uh, political, you know. It has yep. a meaning. You know, exactly what it. we talked about last time, you know. And um, actually, just uh, a couple of weeks ago, I saw the Banksy Does New York documentary. Mm -hmm. The documentary, yeah. I need, I need very fucking out. awesome. Mm -hmm. Very awesome. And uh, Exit to the Gift Shop. One yeah. of my favorite documentaries of all time. And, like... And, uh, you know, after watching, because I heard all this hype about it, it's like, oh, it's about graffiti. Right, right. That, that's all, like, the context, context that I had, you know. Then it's all, it came up on Exodus. I'm like, oh, shit, I'll check it check out. Check it out, yeah. 
And it was like nothing, you know, that I was like predisposed to. Nothing that blew uh, your uh, air up your skirt. You know? Well, like from what I was exposed to, but like after watching it, I was like such a fan. Like if it's ever on, I'll watch it. You know? Yeah, I got one you. of those. And man, and after watching uh, Banksy Does New York, mm-hmm. he already had that notoriety to me. Just because yeah. I only gained that exposure from him, from you know, right, right, from uh, that other thing. One of those things, man. I got you, man. Well, we're winding down. We're winding down towards the end right now. We're almost at an hour and a half on the second episode. But I'm digging it, man. I was digging this conversation. Uh, is there any last uh, points you want to bring up or anything, any last things you want to do or whatever? Um, uh, if you guys ever get a chance to hear Ebo the Letter by R.E.M. on the album New Adventures in Wi-Fi, I suggest you do because it was... Uh, turning point in in your life in, in my life mm-hmm. like if you get a chance just do it and maybe we can talk about it in the later episode sounds good man and I uh, just what recommend, about you Steve uh, I just recommend watching Matilda with, uh, with uh, Danny DeVito that was an awesome movie and I love it uh, no I'm kidding but I'm half kidding because that is a great movie uh, that's it dude that's it for me this is, has been uh, Snooze and Booze episode 22 and uh i hope you guys enjoyed it i hope you know please let us know through facebook or instagram you can find me at steve medell 1775 on instagram loaf where can they find you at uh static and television uh one word static and television not an ampersand just static mm-hmm. and television and of course on facebook you can find us under my name excuse me steve medell or luis medell for a uh, loaf or uh, just snooze and booze. You look up snooze and booze, and we have a page there. Go on and add us or follow us, and um, and please comment. Please comment on us. Give us advice, topics you want to talk about, uh, things you disagree with. By all means, we'll take it. And uh, yeah, man, we'll, we'll love to hear responses, and we'll and definitely respond to you, and we'll give you a little shout out and whatnot. Okay, this has been snooze and booze. I am Steve, and I'll catch you on the flip side. I am low, thank you for the grassful.